Hi everyone, welcome to Path to Glory, a Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, development as a player, and community growth. My name is Jonathan. Hey, and this is Amon. The first thing we're going to do is introduce ourselves and just explain how long we've been in the hobby and what we like about Underworlds. Sounds good to me. Cool. Do you want to go first? Um, yeah, I'll go first. Um, my name is Jonathan Davis. I live in Fort Worth, Texas, and really the Fort Worth, Dallas area. I've been playing different Warhammer games, mostly the 40K, on and off for the last 10 years. Uh, I started in college in Denton, Texas, and uh, I've played different things. I've played Space Wolves and different Space Marines and Knights and things like that. On and off. I've always had a focus on the competitive side of these games. I like the story and the background and all that as well. But what I've definitely really gotten out of it was list building and that sort of competitive focus pretty much from the beginning. I recently started playing Warhammer Underworlds right before the release of Night Vault, which was like around September. Really just from the beginning of trying the game, I've just really fallen in love with it. Because I feel like it's actually competitive and very balanced. I really just just love it. So. And you write a blog too, right? Yeah, that's correct. I started probably a couple months after I started playing the game. I found that it was really kind of difficult to get a lot of the information that helps you learn and helps you get better at the game. So what I did is... I put together a blog that basically just has a lot of different links to all the articles and all the different blogs and all the different podcasts and different YouTube sites, everything, all that in one place so that new players can quickly get acclimated to the game and get playing. So that's uh, that website is wigglehammer.wordpress.com, which got to throw in the plug. Yeah. Um, no, as a fellow <laughs> Underworld player, I, um, I've definitely enjoyed reading your blog, and that resource is, is awesome, that library of content. So it's really cool that you do that. So everyone, my name is Amon Kusro. I am located in Houston, Texas, so we are two Texas Underworlds players. And I guess I got into the hobby at a very young age. Um, I'm 26 right now, soon to be 27, but uh, when I was 10 years old, I walked into a games workshop with a buddy, and I never looked back. Started with Blood Angels, favorite color is red, and kind of played them all the way, I think it was third edition, and kind of played them all the way up into, I think, fifth or sixth, and then I got really hooked to fantasy, which was exciting. I played Dark Elves. Yeah, I was a power gamer. <laughs> and then I think after the world that was kind of changed, I kind of kept up most of my hobby through online. I was just reading forums. I was like, a ghost on some of the other, um, like Bolter and Chainsword for one of them was a great forum and others. And yeah. when Underworlds came out, I really took it because it was like branded as this ultimate miniatures competitive game. And, you know, I'm definitely a very competitive player my whole life. And so I immediately gravitated towards it. And I started out with the old Shadespire set. Uh, you said Night Vault. So I started in Shadespire, um, Steelheart's Champions and Garrick's Reavers. And then I played it up until Orcs and and Guard came out, Spulkroll Guard. And then I kind of took a little bit of a break. And then over the summer after Farstriders and Magors had come out, I kind of got back into the game again. Like I just saw that there was a local tournament 
And I was like, I want to go play in that. <laughs> and I like bought all the war bands threw some cards together. Um, obviously look at some resources online to see if I could kind of get a general idea of, of how to like list build properly and what was current in the meta. And I ended up meeting a guy in Austin. His name is Kyle and he actually won their local con. It was like a grant. It was a GT or a grand class. I'm not really sure. And he kind of walked me through far striders and I loved the aesthetic of it. Even in age of Sigmar, I love those models. And so I went to the tournament and I ended up winning, which was crazy. And from then on, I was like, man, it like reinvigorated my passion for the game. I love it. And I was like, I really like this. And after a couple months, um, you know, you mentioned you write a blog. Uh, so I actually write the blog Hexes and Warbands. You know, I noticed that there were some awesome content creators online. They're mainly represented in the UK. And so I wanted to kind of, you know, rep US and Texas, if you will, but also kind of talk about some of the things that I wanted to learn as a competitive player, um, as well as a newer player at one point, right? So it's kind of like my story with Warhammer and the hobby and the Underworlds, but I love the game. I think about it way more than I should. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of my focuses from the beginning has really been sort of focusing on my learning process and then what I can do to help other people get up to speed as quickly as possible. I've had some friends that, you know, I've tried to get into the game and it's just a very complicated game. And so by gathering resources and particularly like the tournament reports by you and other people like John from Can You Roll a Crit and the Steel City guys, and Giblin and Catafrain yeah, uh, Relic, yeah, which are all just excellent and better players than I was. But, you know, being able to read those and being able to point newer players to those as well has really helped me and I think it's helped a lot of other people too. So, and plus I just got tired of explaining the same thing over and over again on Facebook. So I'll just point <laughs> a, a page of yeah. links that says, here's, here's five articles on goblins. <laughs> yeah. You're a, you're a so, common hound on the Facebook groups. I've yeah. noticed like any, any posts, like any question, it's like Jonathan Davis is commented. I'm just like, I love it. <laughs> I might um, be a little bored at work sometimes. I I feel that at times I do too. Uh, And I I like how you mentioned some of the other bloggers. Can You Roll a Crit by John Reese was the first blog that I kind of came across as a a noob, if you will. His writing, and then I saw Giblin's Cataphrane Relic, and I really, really liked what they did. And, you know, I've always kind of wanted to be a writer in the back of my mind, but I did business in college. I was like, you know what, maybe I can kind of, I guess, feed my inner writer, if you will, while also kind of write something I'm passionate about. And I, at least I know what I'm talking about. So they really inspired me. And then I've come across so many awesome blogs like Steel City, College Shade Spire, you know, yeah. yours, Wiggle Hammer. So lots of shout outs. And, you know, if, whoever's listening, if you are interested in finding some really cool blogs, I definitely recommend you start with those. You know, all the all the guys, including myself, like we like to pump out some some good content. And yeah, some of it overlaps, but I think at the end of the day, and we were talking about this the other day, uh, other day Jonathan, was I think having similar content, but also your own styles or, or our lists or even the way we format our is, is important, right? Because it gives players or readers multiple perspectives, but also kind of just kind of keeps us on top of our game with each other, if you will, right? So I think it's really exciting. Yeah, I think so. I think that, that what our goal here, this podcast is is going to be to really talk about what like makes us competitive, what we sort of consider competitive gaming to be, and how to develop as a player. There are a lot of other great 
podcasts out there already and they mm-hmm. already cover a lot of information like game news and like current events and just like content reviews and things like that but what i wanted to do and what we've decided to do with this is i think try to go a lot deeper into the tactics different th- different things that we've done to become better things that listeners can you know help do better as well i think that one of my favorite parts of any of these uh, war games or 40k or sigmar or this is that conversation that you have with the other player after the game is over and you talk about like you know what might have happened what you could have done differently what they could have done differently and to me that's where you really learn from uh, your games absolutely so my hope would be that this can kind of be this podcast can kind of be that conversation in a long form yeah i i completely agree i think as you mentioned there's some awesome content creators out there and so um i guess our little niche right is to kind of focus on you know Definitely. what we think competitive is like how we play it and also talk about the games we played right i think that's the most helpful is if you're unable to have that conversation with your opponent maybe we can have it here and kind of walk through our games and and kind of see maybe where we made decisions and, and it might give some insight to some of you know our listeners as well so uh definitely on board and, and super excited and that doesn't mean we won't cover like some of the newer war bands right like you know if whenever oh, the yes. sylvaneth or the overlords come out um and even those two uh from dreadfang we'll definitely talk about it but i don't think we're going to be doing in-depth reviews like maybe some of the other guys right yeah i mean they do a great job and i'm too lazy to want to do it over again <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but um, I think we want this to be focusing on, like we said at the beginning, competitive gaming, developing as a player, and growing the community. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of competitive gaming, what does competitive mean to you then, I guess, Jonathan? And, like, why do you prefer to play competitively? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that a lot of the time when you say that you like to play competitively, I think sometimes people can kind of come at that negatively. I think that they there's definitely a perception sometimes, especially in some of the larger games like 40k or Sigmar, where there's also a lot of a, like a narrative focus. I think that a lot of the time competitive is a word that people use for like the concept of win at all costs, right. which is another sort of idea that you hear a lot. But to me, it's not about winning at all costs. It's about like getting better at all costs like individually game per game it doesn't really matter if you win or lose as long as you learn something and as long as you improve as a player the other thing that i think is important considering competitive mindset is to get out what you get from being competitive you have to have other people to play competitively against because you don't want to play against people that aren't you know that are newer to the game that you'll beat automatically i mean you want you'll want to play with them but that's not as satisfying as playing a really tight game that comes down to the last activation. You know, you, you might even tie and then win the tiebreaker. Like those are the games that to me are, I remember and enjoy the most. I want to win, but I want to win like in a sort of productive way where I learn stuff and they learn stuff and we're both better players at the end of it. I think that's, I think that's how I would define competitive is to me it's a very positive thing like i'm gonna bring i'm gonna bring the best deck the best war band that i can and i'm gonna 
do everything I can to beat you within the limits of the game. And I want you to do the exact same thing and give me a run for my money. Yeah, and I think, and I, and I completely agree with that. And I think that's where that last part you said, and it's kind of where people kind of get, you know, wary of the term competitive is, you know, you want to bring the best that you can, but you also want your opponent to bring the best that they can, right? And so I think a lot yeah. of the times, especially in some of the bigger games, it's tough because, you know, if you want to bring a competitive list and you go to like your local games workshop or you go to your local gaming store and you just ask some guy to play a game, that's not competitive play. I think, you know, that's different because if that person is just like, yeah, I'm bringing my fluffy list or like all rounders list that I'm just playing at my local seed, then it can be. And I think that's where some of those like major negative play experiences occur, right? Is like you just get stomped by like turn two or turn three and the game's kind of already over. Um, I agree. And I think that's one of the things I love about this game in particular is that from the get-go, it was designed to be competitive. Mm -hmm. And although there is, I'm sure, a rich backstory to it, that's kind of a secondary focus. I I completely agree. And that's kind of why I love it too. I've kind of delved into the the story because I'm kind of a lore head at heart. But um, this game particularly, like I've never... So most of the games I play... And this isn't a bad thing, but I get really into their lore, like the Blood Angels or Dark Elves and and Fantasy and even the Stormcasts and and Age of Sigmar. But in this game, I just like, man, I want to play more games. And (laughs) although that although that world is cool, like it's prevalent and, you know, in Age of Sigmar, which is always looming in the background because this is a offshoot of that game. It's it's just I've never played a Games Workshop game that's just made me want to play so much. And I love it. And I love Games Workshop for it because, you know, they, you, like you said, they marketed it as, you know, a fast-paced game of tactical arena combat. And it is fast and it's fun and it's pretty balanced for the most part. Like, yeah, there's some crazy cards and we can talk about that later. But, um, <laughs> like, I yeah. can go pick any warband or anyone, honestly, can pick a, a warband. And with enough practice and in a lot and enough development as a player and understanding of the meta, if you will, yeah, you can you can win. You can win a tournament. I don't I mean maybe not a grand clash, but you could definitely like take Reavers or uh, Guard or even Steelheart's Champions, who are some people say are some of the lower performing warbands, and and go you know wreck some shop. And I think that's awesome. That's why I yeah. love it. Yeah, and I think that's something that we'll definitely want to talk about is. Like, what things can you do with some of those, what are considered to be lower tier factions to win with them? And what kind of attitude you need to approach that with and sort of strategies, you know, there are to make those warbands work. Because, I mean, you've already won a number of reasonably sized local events with warbands that a lot of people would consider to be pretty terrible. And I think a lot of the time that sort of attitude is why people don't play them, you know? They don't even try. Yeah, and I also think it's bad for the game. And we talked about this briefly the other day, but, you know, yeah, there are some warbands that tend to do things a bit easier than others, but that shouldn't deter anyone from playing any warband. Like, you can easily, you know, a a prime example, um, and let me know if I'm getting a little bit too detailed here, but, you know, like, Magor's (laughs) Fiends and Iron Skull's Boys, right? Like, they're very similar in what they do, and on paper, Magor's Fiends is statistically better but that doesn't mean you can't take an iron skulls boys warband to a tournament and not only win but also wreck some magor's fiends as well right 
And I think that's that's the thing that we need people to or that I believe is important to stress is that it doesn't matter what warband you take. If you play enough games with them and you understand them enough and you understand your matchups and you have enough luck, you can win anything. Yeah, um, that's true. Like, for and example, like, that, go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, um, well, the, like my finishing thought was like eyes of the nine, right? Like they got like ninth at LBO, which like a lot of people like a common mindset is like they're bad. Like if a guy can get top 10 in a 60 man tournament where like people have traveled to go play in, you know, it's, it's a big deal. It, it has a lot to say about maybe that person as a player, but first and foremost, like the war band isn't as yeah. poorly conceived or, or believed to perform as it, you know, or performs as poorly as it's perceived to be, which I think is important. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, not only that, the, um, at the, at the UK grand clash, January, I think it was. There yeah. was an undefeated Eyes of the Nine player, which uh, is awesome. Yeah, nuts, I, think his, I think his name's Smee. And then, like you said at LBO, I think his name was Samuel. He came in ninth, and the only game he lost was to Stephen Van, who was the undefeated Gits player. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like <laughs> obviously there's something to those factions or to those players. That is just something that you can aspire to. And absolutely. I mean, I haven't messed around with the eyes too much, but when I get around to that, <laughs> it's going to be a challenge, but I think that'll be a lot of fun too. You know? Yeah. I've been tinkering around with them on the side, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited too. Again, I think they're really hard to play, but that doesn't mean that they're inherently a poor warband. So glad we agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's okay to, you know, suggest things and to comment on, you know, maybe things could be designed better or maybe things need to change, but, you know, and try to have that productive conversation. But until those changes take place, you really have to live with what, you know, is the current state of the game. So I don't think it's productive to complain as much as it is to just talk about what you can do to, you know, make things work and win the games because, you know, People people still win with the lower factions all the time. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I, the other day, I saw two Steelhearts champions on the Facebook group, and the Facebook group we're referring to is I think there's two. There's the Warhammer Underworlds community, and there's just Warhammer Underworlds, and they're international Facebook groups, thousands yeah. of people. And uh, the other day, like two Steelheart champions, you know, in, in like a Molog meta, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you had an event recently where uh, the Dwarves won. So. <laughs> and a lot of people. Yeah. I think you wouldn't have expected that. So, and I guess maybe we can start talking about that. Is you know some of the recent games we've played, but um, you know, I I know that you said you were playing the warband of your of your choice at the moment is Gits, right? Um, like what are your experience with them? Yeah, recently, I th I think both of us and I think a lot of people in general have the distant goal of trying to win a trophy with all the factions. Oh and yeah, hundred percent. So currently, the one that I'm working on is. The gets. Um, I've managed to get the thorns, the curse breakers, and Moloch out of the way. <laughs> so I've I've been I've been sticking to the good ones so far. But, but yeah, the, the, the easy. I didn't want to say anything, anything, but I'm glad you said it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I'll get to the the harder ones eventually. But to me, to me, I also welcome that that challenge. So I'm just coming at it at what I think is the. Uh, most direct route <laughs> no absolutely i think you, you you learn with the better warbands or or at least the warbands that 
are doing better in, a, in, in the current meta, right? Um, that's where you learn and you kind of understand. And you, you said this the other day, which I completely agree with is in order to learn how to take a warband down, you got to play it. I think um, so. You know, if those are some of the more popular or prevalent warbands in the current meta, and you've already, you know, won trophies with them, you would assume that you had a pretty decent inclination on how to play those guys and, and then eventually play against them. Exactly, yeah. I think that in order to win with eyes or win with axes or, you know, spike claws, swarm, higher difficulty factions, I think that it's important to understand how the more straightforward or some of the factions that have an easier time, how they work. So that's... That's sort of the thought process behind the order that I've gone in. I also kind of just enjoy some of those factions. I enjoy the, especially the bigger ones. I've, I've really enjoyed the Gits, and I've enjoyed the Thorns of the Briar Queen quite a bit. But, yeah, I'm yeah. a sucker for Dodge Warbands, too. It's like living on the edge, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're usually pretty good, too. I mean, I, I think I personally prefer some of the objective style and control, or like objective flex sort of style. So right now in my gets, I'm running Supremacy, our only way out. As you should. Yeah, the pretty normal positioning objectives. But then after that, I have pretty much mostly like aggressive or passive uh, objectives like Master of War or Fired Up, Great Gains, that kind of stuff. In the current aggro meta with Molag and Godsworn and things like that, I've also been running Pure Carnage. And so far, I think I've scored it every game because... I'll usually lose four or five guys, and I usually take out a few others as well. So yeah, that's been a lot of fun for me. And Snurk is just great when he spins around and kills stuff. And yeah, it's just it's so so fun when you teleport him next to them, and you're like, do you have any push cards <laughs> to move away? And they're like, no. <laughs> and then you you blast them. You know? Yeah. So if you if you get the right rolls, man, you can you can push yeah. your you can push an adjacent fighter three times in whichever direction or at least guide it in the direction you want it to to take out a three wound fighter and it's yeah. also fun because like molag can't use a my turn or aggressive defense yeah i think gits are actually the gits versus molag matchup is interesting because if he kills too many of them then it can be hard to you know survive that but i think they have a lot of tools to take him down and i think that uh, a lot of people are having success with the gits right now yeah i think they're I, a great it may just there. may just be me accidentally following the flavor of the month <laughs> no no i think i think they're a great war band i think they're they're yeah. one of the most funs and they can be played in so many different ways and you know they have some they have a group of powerhouses right they got you know, sour tongue snark sour tongue the fanatic and then like drisket with his two squigs like what i like to do is i, I like you bait drisket early even though he's still doing respectable two damage off the bat your squigs are doing three or two damage on three hammers or three smash, yeah. which is yeah. very accurate, right? And they can just they can they can eat some stuff up, especially if you're softening them with previous attacks or your archers or or you know whatever. And then Zarbag's no slouch either because he's got cleave. Yeah, I think that's what I like about it is that really, other than the three archers, like almost all of them can do something. And then the way that I'm currently running them is with a reasonable number of uh, weapon upgrades, like concealed weapon or shade glass axe or shade glass dagger, mutating maul. That way, if I need to, any of the little ones can suddenly become a threat and maybe score me an objective like what armor or something like that. That's what mutating yeah. is. They're mainly for. But 
yeah, it's it's cool, and uh, I think they fit my play style that way, where I'll try to take the territory and then be aggressive back as they try to stop me. So right, it's like a hybrid hybrid play style. Yeah, I played a couple games this last week. I've been traveling so long, but I think I only got three games in this weekend. But I was playing against the Godsworn Hunt, and that was just a well, just a bloodbath on both sides because I bet. <laughs> they just run in and start killing goblins and the goblins just start killing them back. And I think I scored pure carnage all three games because of that. <laughs> and then, uh, but it was real close. I think we tied one of them and then the other ones were down to one or two glories. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Speaking of Godsworn, they're, they're my war band of or flavor of the month, if you will. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think when they first came out, they got a lot of slack and, I, I've, first of all, the models are fantastic. Like, I love what they look like. Dude, they, they're a lot of fun, man. Like, I think the best iteration of them right now is aggressive, but they're yeah. fun, man. Are they're you, a good time. so you're not running any kind of, uh, like, supremacy or any magic spells no. or anything no, like no, that? No, no, no. It's straight up, like, in your face. I'll charge, I'll hit, and I'm doing damage. And then, you know, maybe I'll do some extra out-of-activation attacks, you know, through Ready for Action or, or whatever. But my goal is, like, if I hit you, I have enough ploy cards and upgrades to make sure that those hits count. I do like I, how powerful the upgrades are for them, because they not only get the upgrade, they get the spike from Inspiring. Mm-hmm. And Path to Glory, which is our namesake, um, <laughs> is such a great card, right? Like, It might be the best card in the game. If you have another upgrade, <laughs> that that yeah, aside from yeah, might be the best upgrade. Well, yeah, best upgrade. So there was like a game. So I went to a tournament recently. It was for some shade glass, I think. So my first game, I played Skaven with the Godsworn, and uh, it wasn't as bloody as I thought the game would be. Per your suggestion, I did take Pure Carnage, right? And the Skaven, they just kept bringing him back, and so I was like, all right, I got to take out Scritch. So I took out <laughs> Scritch, but then he had an upgrade that put Kirk. Or that gave Kirk that same ability where he can call more. Or there's always yeah. more or whatever. And I was like, man, what is this nonsense? Um, <laughs> ended up playing a game and a half and we ran out of time. But I, I won off Glory. Mm. And then the second game, I played against Gitz. And I was like, oh man, like Gitz, they're going to cream me. And the first game we played, I put great strength on Grawl. Because I was just like, you know what? Like He's in position. He could maybe take out a squig. So... <laughs> And I was like, you know, in, th in that game, like, once you take out Snurk, which I think I did fairly early, you have to take out those squigs, right? Mm -hmm. So, put great even strength. Though you, even though you don't really care about the cleave, like, they're still going to eat you. <laughs> yeah, dude, they're, they're way too accurate, especially if Drizget goes down, which I think my opponent, his name's Josh, great player, by the way, he, he was, like, trying to position Drizget in the front, but I just took advantage of Grawl's superior movement because he moves five when he's inspired. So I put great strength on him. So he's doing two damage, hitting on three swords. And so I hit a swig, and I managed to take it out. And then I played Path of Glory, or Path to Glory, excuse me, on Grawl, and then played Ready for Action. And wow. Grawl became a monster. Yeah, <laughs> he's four, like four dice. throwing four fury. He has three wounds, just running around, like, eating goblins. And uh, take that, Riptooth. Um, but... <laughs> No, it was it was a lot of fun and and like I would have never thought to do something like that, but I guess the you know and that's the great thing about this game is like opportunities and moments arise. We are like, you know what, this isn't the norm, but if I take this risk and it pays off, like you know, it like I look like a genius, if you will. Um, 
<laughs> so then my opponent kept trying to take down my dog, Grawl, my poor, <laughs> poor doggo, um, because he was in the nuisance in the backfield at that point. And so it kind of helped the rest of my warband kind of just get up there and, and finish him off. And game was kind of close in the second game, um, but pure carnage, man. Like it's, it's yeah. that warband's version of superior tactician. <laughs> Especially in that matchup, I feel like whoever has it probably wins. Yeah. And when I when I played it, so I wasn't gonna play it in my first my first game because I didn't want my opponent to know I had it because I had comfortably <laughs> won. But yeah. then I was like, you know, just in case, you know, like glory becomes a thing and I end up dropping a game. So I did it, and uh, his like reaction was like, whoa. Like, yeah. Well, and the thing is, even though he knows you have it, what is he gonna do? Not kill you? <laughs> yeah. And, and that was my thought process. <laughs> like, you know what? Like that was yeah. like the secondary reason. I was like, Might as well do it because. If he doesn't take out my guys, I'm going to take out his regardless, or at least try. And I say try because I made it to the finals, and you mentioned Dwarves won. So I did <laughs> play against Chosen Axes, and it was ridiculous, man. Like, like as a competitive player, I um, mean, it kind of goes back to, like, my, my philosophy on the whole thing. is like you try to play your best. You try to make the best moves. You build this ace deck or whatever, and, and you think that you have a fair shot. But what we forget to play or what we forget to factor in at times is that not only are we relying on dice, but we're also relying on drawing the correct cards. <laughs> and yeah. for this game, dude, I got—I was not in the favor of the dice gods. There was no glory. <laughs> There's not even a path to the glory. It was just sadness. So my first game, I, I draw my, my hand, you know, so I have Pure Carnage and Oath of Conquest in my opening hand. Oh, so no. my, the only two third end phase scoring cards, I have them both in my hand, and then I draw five upgrades. And wow. I'm just like, well, and for, okay. For Godsworn, like, you need upgrades. <laughs> exactly. So I was just like, I have nothing to score. No cover ground, what armor, whatever. So I was like, I guess I'm going to toss this hand. So I toss my hand, and I draw three upgrades. The, the, but, you know, I was like, you know what? It's better than five. And I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm just going to try to make the best of this. So I start things off, and I use, like, my javelin, and I just go for fuel. Because, like, at the end of the day, I got to take out Fuel, right? He's too scary. Yeah. Do two damage to Fuel. And that was the last successful attack I made for the rest of the game. <laughs> the first and only. <laughs> it started off so promising. Like, I'm not even kidding, man. Like, I missed everything. Like, Fuel has two wounds left because I won't let him inspire. Like, he ends his turn on an objective, and I play Distraction. I push him off the objective so he can't inspire. <laughs> so I was like, no, no, no. Fuel is not getting inspired because I've played games before where fuel like can mow through your your guys. So yeah, um, I was like, all right, I'm just gonna nail one hit. So I send Sean in with Potion of Rage. Might might I add? Oh god, um, that's five he, dice. Hitting no crits, no crits. But he has, but you know, Sean has cleave when he's inspired, right? Right. No crits though. I get like like three hammers. Uh, or no, three swords. Excuse me. Yeah. And then uh, fuel rolls a crit. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> okay, fine, whatever. So then yeah. Fuel turns around and whacks Sean, and Sean just, just like gets obliterated. And this process continues. Like, I send Grawl in <laughs> with, like, trap, you know? I'm like, okay, maybe if Grawl can just, like, hit him, I can trap him, and he'll, you know, he'll he'll go down. Because, um, like, I had also, I don't know, I was just so focused, I think, on taking Fuel down, and perhaps this is where I made a mistake. But, like, I would charge at someone, they would miss. Fuel would kill them. I would charge at someone, they would miss. And at one point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just stay back and I'm going to try to like let them come to me. And at that point it was too late. I think the first game was actually fairly close. 
I think I was able to get, no, you know what? I did, I did manage to take down another dwarf with Fedra. <laughs> it was like seven to nine, right? Like, and he won. Okay. So I was like, it's all right, Amon. Like, you're one game down. You got this. <laughs> um, you know, like, focus mode. Um, which, you know, if you've read some of my blogs, you'll know, like, I go into this state where, like, I don't remember anything after the game is over. Um, <laughs> but, like, I'm so focused on trying to win. Um, and I was like, you know, dice kind of fled me the first game. And what's crazy is, like, the first game I played, my dice were rolling like crap. So when I played the Goblins, I, I switched my dice. And I should have switched them again. Because, <laughs> like, dude, Switch the back second to the first game, ones. <laughs> right. Or at least, like, because I have, like, a little, like, Token box, and I have all the dice from all the warbands. Uh, Obviously, you have your favorites. Yeah. Um, and I should have just picked up the Godsworn ones. I was using the brown ones because they, my guy, my Godsworn <laughs> are unpainted. So I was using the Skaven dice, and so final game, man, I was like, or I was like, I got this, you know, like maybe we can just tie it up, and then I'll get in his head. So I draw again. I draw Pure Carnage and Oath of Conquest again in my opening hand. I swear, like the guy I played, Will, he's like an expert at cutting decks because he mm. perfectly cut my deck to where I got. <laughs> um the the worst possible starts and then i got four upgrades this time and ready for action and i was like do i keep this or do i not and i was like you know what i can't risk it if i lose this i'm going home same thing happened so i like you, missed like did you get rid of it or did you keep it yeah i know i tossed it i tossed both hands uh, again because okay you know what am i how can i equip the upgrade to even use it in the first place well i guess that's something that might be worth talking about especially with godsworn is i don't think i i don't know exactly what your deck was but with godsworn they rely so much on those objectives like what is your plan for getting the first glory do you have martyred or change so, so i have martyred or? i have martyred i had and strong start which is kind of controversial mm-hmm. but um it really depends <laughs> on the matchup right like yeah. against goblins i was getting strong start and skaven even doors like i i did score martyred because my guys kept missing and falling to the ground, but um, yeah. And then I got what armor? So you know, awesome with Olo and and Shond. The neat thing about the Godsworn, in my opinion, is you can pull up the deck too. And it, and you know, obviously you, you know, obviously you have a better idea of what the situation was than I did. But I might actually consider keeping that hand if you have a good way to get some glory, because then you can equip. And then ready for action, or equip, charge, you know, hopefully get some more, equip something else. Because the cool thing about the Godsworn is that the upgrades are actually really good for them. You oh, yeah. Glory to feed that. So, obviously, and I think that was my five. hesitation. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Because, like, I don't know. I just, I, I couldn't even keep four. I was yeah. like, down, and I was like, yeah. you know what? <laughs> I need some easy to score glory. And yeah, that is uh, definitely a tough situation where it's like, yeah, ready for action and four upgrades. <laughs> and I also nightmare. think, like, <laughs> yeah, no, dude, for real, it was like, man, like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, punished, you know. Um, but I guess your luck, your luck runs out eventually, and, and that also goes to in like being a competitive player because like sometimes you can do everything right. Like for like our best way to explain it is like you mentioned Stephen Vaughn. Vaughn, he went undefeated at LVO, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah. He took goblins. He did the best that he could. He played, obviously, I think he performed really well. He went undefeated. Luck, like, sometimes luck is that final deciding factor. And, like, maybe he was, I don't know how much glory he was off the final, but it could have been a handful, right? And so yeah. I think that's kind of what happened here is I was just like, I thought I, I thought I could do everything I could. 
I thought I made some smart decisions looking back on it. Like, yeah, there are times where I could have made better decisions. And I think that's fair. That's human. Right. But I really, I really let the missing of dice get into my head to the point where I was just like, all right, I'm going to charge here. I'm probably going to miss. And then I would miss. And that's kind of like power of the universe. I don't know if you believe in that, which that's the whole (laughs) topic. But like, I believe like if you stay positive and you be positive, you'll roll better. And like, I've noticed that like when I'm very confident when I'm playing a game, my dice rolls are great too. So I don't know if there's a correlation. I don't know if it's just like my mental. I would say that you're definitely in more of a situation to make the right decisions when you're confident and when you're not on tilt from, you know, a bad dice roll. Yeah. But I mean, I've had situations where, well, actually, the, so the not the most recent tournament, but the one before that, I was trying to get my Amalog trophy because I don't really like playing Amalog. I just wanted to get him out of the way. And then yeah. the, fi- the final in that one was a mirror match between me and another Amalog. And it was a guy named Jonathan Lloyd that's in my area. And he's really a good player. And he's probably the player that I learned from in real life the most because we would play a lot um, as I was starting the game. He was kicking my butt with skeletons for a while, <laughs> but um, he's usually one of the one or two guys in my area that I don't want to see on that final table because I know it's going to be a rough game because he's just a, that good of a player. But I think that I kind of went on tilt as soon as I saw it was a mirror match because I just didn't want to do that, you know? And, yeah, the Bulldog uh, and Molag matchup's not fun. Yeah, it's really not. And I don't know if, uh, you know, different things happened during that game and like crit defenses were rolled and all that. And I ended up losing it. But I can't help but imagine that if I had, you know, maintained a slightly better mental state and not been annoyed that it was a mirror, you know, maybe I would have made a different decision somewhere that would have ended up being better. So I think that's one of the things that you learn from those kind of experiences is, you know, how to handle that kind of emotional issue during the game and you know when you need to get the attack to go through and they crit you back in defense like you just have to let it slide off and you know plan from there absolutely i think a lot of what makes a good competitive player and and a great sportsman too which is important supremely important is your mental state right like i've played against people who've also missed a lot of attacks and they just and like they'll laugh and they'll be like wow today is not my day you know and like that is the difference. And I guess I need to work on that. And where I was kind of like went in on myself and I was just like, okay, well, you know, here we go. And you could hear it, but I wasn't in the best mood. And so I think at the end of the day, we have to remember that we are playing a game. Yeah. But first and foremost, your mental state significantly impacts your decision-making. And looking back on it, I could have played better. Just like you said, you could have, you know, if we weren't tilted. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, one of the things that is important is building the community if I get grumpy because it's a mirror match, I'm probably not giving my opponent the experience that he deserves either. So absolutely, it's just a combination of that and probably important to be an example of a good sportsman and just a good player so that when the dice are going in your favor, you know, they can remember to the time that <laughs> they win their favor and, you know, you're yeah. still cheerful about it. And, you know, even though I lost that game and I wasn't, you know that happy about you know a mirror match and then losing the mirror match i'm still really happy for him for winning the event and getting the trophy because i think the previous event it was me and him as well and i won by a little bit so and he definitely played well and deserved it so that's the sort of thing you have to think about and then just take what you can and 
learn from it, you know? Absolutely. And I, and I want to echo that sentiment. I played Will and he, he just plays dwarves. He doesn't play anything else. And, and I remember <laughs> like since they first came out, he was like, yeah, like, he just bought that warband, and he didn't have a lot of the cards, but he's always just played dwarves. I wouldn't be surprised if he has like over two, three hundred games with them. And uh, everyone was like, "Will, why don't you just play something else?" And he's like, "No, they're my only painted <laughs> warband, and I'm not going to stop playing them till I win a trophy with them." Well, it was like I was very happy for him. I was like, "Dude, you, you are the definition of a dwarf. Like your perseverance was like." Well, and one of the things that I've been doing on Wigglehammer. I've been tracking all the events that are on BCP, the Best Coast Pairings, the tournament. Yeah, that's app. how you called me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's the only dwarf that's won an event in the last yeah. s- since the last FAQ that's put on BCP. So he's yeah. he's number one. He's the number one dwarf right now. <laughs> Which is crazy. And, so, and, and speaking of BCP, uh, that was the first time like my community used that. that oh yeah. At, I was like, hey, everyone, like, because I remember we had talked about it briefly, and I was like, you know what, let's start getting some stats on there. So I'm really glad my community is using it, and I think everyone really liked the experience. And I really like how it asks you for a pin when you put in scores, and sometimes it asks for your opponent's pin, which is a really neat feature. So you can't really, you know, do any sketchy stuff. Yeah, it's it's pretty popular in the 40K community. I know that the ITC uses it a lot, and I mean, the little bit that I've used it, it's just a great app, but... To me, the other cool thing is that all the data from the matchups and stuff is public. I'm able to go on there and just pull the different win rates and stuff and see how people are doing in different events, how many factions have won, how many events. Um, and in the last two weeks, I've only there's only been 14 events on there, but that's still almost 250 games. You know, a month from now, I'll probably be have about a, over a thousand. And we'll actually be able to have somewhat concrete data about, you know, the the state of the game and how different factions are doing and things like that. So um, I definitely, um, I would just definitely encourage people to use it. And then, you know, not only is it a great app, but then we'll get more and more data. So because it'd be nice to be able to point to something like, you know, over a thousand games, what factions are doing good. And then I, you know, would hope that maybe GW would, be interested in looking at that kind of stuff and you know maybe making some tweaks or coming out with new cards for factions or things like that yeah cool yeah no i I think it's it's a great tool and i think even if you're not a competitive player you should look into that because it just helps understand the meta right and like the meta is this like term that people like to throw around a lot but at the end of the day it's like what's the most prevalent style of play right that you'll see internationally or at least even locally you know now that my community is starting to use it, you know, if someone wants to show up to a tournament, they can look up these stats or visit your blog and see like, okay, well, I guess even though there's some whole bunch of ruckus behind Molog, his win rate's not that high. Yeah. Is that stopping some of the newer guys who are not familiar with Molog or the game or, you know, or like are veteran players able to systematically like take it down, which I think is really cool. Yeah, so. that's true. Like right now in the, in those 14 events, Molog win rate is only about 45%, and he hasn't actually won any events. And, you know, granted, this is just a small slice because I can only record what's on BCP. But right. to me, to me, that kind of information is it's good to have something solid that you can refer to rather than just say the sky is falling and that Molog's overpowered and all that. Yeah. 
the amount of anti-Molog tactic articles I saw online, <laughs> I was like, man, I don't even need to do one. There's like four. <laughs> With the data that I have, Gits are the doing the best right now. And some of that might just be, I think, two of the events that have been won with them were from one player in California. But as we get more and more data, those sort of things will smooth out. I think that was Tom Field in California. Give him a shout out. <laughs> He's won two events back to back. So That's awesome. Yeah. Gits are cool, man. I, I really like them. I, I got lucky. I knocked them out early. but Yeah. Which ones do you have? Which ones have you gotten? Which trophies? Oh, so oh, the warbands I've gotten uh, shade glass with. Yeah, yeah. So the the event that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that kind of got me back into the game a, a little really hardcore was the the forest riders. So I won my first one with them, and then I think the week after the gits and the eyes came out, I won my second one with the gits. Oh, okay. After that, we had like six shade glass tournaments almost every weekend, some Saturday and Sundays on weekends in the Houston area. I kind of went to all of them and. I mean, I, I played my heart out, <laughs> but I guess I got lucky. I won with Curse Breakers the first weekend, then Magors, then Thorns of the Briar Queen, and then Reavers, and then Sepulchral Guard. So, wow. okay. So that's why I'm trying to I'm trying to work on Godsworn right now. And then after Godsworn, I might mess around with Steelheart, but you know, I might also just try to, as you said, get Molog out of the way before <laughs> he becomes a. <laughs> yeah. Before they get before they restrict Tome of Offering, so. Right. Yeah, that's that's true. I think that one's next on the list, so might want to get that out of the way. All right, everyone, that's been our first episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time for us to talk about the games that we've played in between episodes, and then our main topic for next week is going to be deck building. We're going to go over how we approach deck building and the different things we think about during that process. Yeah, I think that's going to be really exciting. I'm looking forward to talking about how we build our decks and something else that you know we thought would be really cool would be to get some recommendations of cards that you guys would like us to talk about next episode. So since Jonathan and I are playing Gits and Godsworn uh, respectively, why don't you guys comment on whatever social media platform or even message us on some of the cards that you might use with those warbands that you don't necessarily think are that popular or might be an unpopular choice. Kind of like how we were talking about Pure Carnage earlier in the episode. So what we'll do is we'll pick three of the cards that are suggested, what's popular or we find very interesting, and we'll kind of talk about them next episode and see how we can uh, include them in their decks or even if we think it's worth to include them. Um, so that wraps up our first episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory. Nice.